This is Andy Marquette, joined by my colleague and friend, Jove Bell. We are Women and Words. Hi, Jove. How are you? Hi. Hi, Andy. Hi, my friend. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, so, oh, I'm getting over, you guys, what the hell? I'm getting over the flu. Pretty sure it was the flu. It's because I did have a flu shot. You traveled Maybe too that damn helped. much. I'm sure part of it um listen it's definitely part of it all girl i I can't recycled airplane air (laughs) is not good for a person it's Mm -mm. not it is the worst you know it's just like off so um i sound kind of kind of gross folks sorry about that um anyhow joe do you have any stories or you know what have you been up to anything you want to like here's a life life update for y'all uh, my okay. my baby Noah turned thirteen. Oh my god! Yeah, and for his birthday present, guess what we got him? This is what he wanted. Uh, what a, we got him a canary. A, a what? A, a, like an a, actual a bird. bird. There's a bird living in my house, dear listener. For those of you that who don't is, know what that means, yes, this is huge. Yeah, birds terrify me. Like, it's an unreasonable gut-level response. I have no reason to be afraid of birds, but they make me, like, just being in the presence of a bird, even a tiny bird like a canary, makes me very wary and unsettled. Like, it triggers the flight part of my fight-or-flight instinctual response, and which is not normal for me. Like, in any other situation, I'm all about fight. I come out swinging every time. But birds, I just want to run the fuck away pretty sure that in you know a past life I was I've told people this I was a small you know f- creature like a mouse or a vole or something and I was eaten by a, a bird of prey oh, probably probably an owl that's what I'm thinking but birds just seriously like they freak me out and so and but, yet yeah chickens. but you have chickens we have chickens in the backyard I try really hard to ignore them they they try really hard to get me to pay attention to them. It's terrifying because chickens are big fucking birds. And dear listener, whether you think they can or not, chickens can fly. Specifically, chickens can fly into your face. And I know this because they do it to me. Yeah, they, they can. Yeah, yes, they can. definitely. <laughs> definitely. And Tara thinks it's hysterical because they don't do that to anybody else, just me. And it's like their predator instinct comes alive when they see me because they know that I'm just freaking out but yeah but the canary is tiny it stays in noah's room he's got this little this little you know bird cage for him and she named or he excuse me he named him salem which is a cool name for a bird <laughs> that is cool yeah that is kind of cool <laughs> yeah right so on. yeah I, that was kind of a it was kind of a big deal for me like to hit a point where i was able to say okay my baby wants a bird he's old enough to take care of the uh, take care of it and I need to let this happen so not only did I let wow. it happen I like spent money for on it and I went shopping with wow. him and, yeah I'm like we have to I'm like I understand that you really want to get a bird I, I get that but you have to give me the ability to like veto something that I find truly truly terrifying right like he wanted to get a um, cockatiel 
which is a little bit bigger and it has the the thing, whatever. And so we're, we're looking at, mm-hmm. you know, we went in to look at birds and I saw the cockatiel and immediately wanted to run to the other side of the store. I'm like, nope, that can't happen. <laughs> but the parakeets are tiny and little and they look basically harmless. So um, they still have big talon feet, you know, that are... Yeah, they do, yeah. But um, I'm like, you can get one of those... Keep it the fuck away from me, but you can get one of those. It's small enough that I can, it doesn't immediately trigger some sort (laughs) of, you know, gut-wrenching whatever. So, yeah, got him a parakeet, which was... I thought it was a canary. Canary, parakeet. What what was it? Uh, How big is a canary? Did I say the wrong thing? You said canary. Canaries have, like, little pointy beaks, and parakeets Uh, have little curved beaks. uh, It's a parakeet. It's a parakeet. Oh. It's a it's a blue parakeet. What does a canary look like? Now I'm gonna look that up. Canaries are yellow, I think. Yeah, no, it's a parakeet because this this uh, canary, it's got this. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, the canary would freak me out. It's the beak. The difference is the beak. You're absolutely right. Although parrots with their curved beak, yeah, those beaks are scary. Scare yeah. me like nobody's business. But it's a little blue and white. Mm-hmm. It's blue and white, and it's... Oh, so uh, cute. It's... it's Per bird, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it is... <laughs> it's very... Objectively, it's very, very beautiful. But, you know, that's mm-hmm. overriding all of my internal, you know, alarms. <laughs> like, I have, I have to I have to stop and, and talk myself through this whole you know, experience, like, it's in a cage, it can't get to you, like, it's this whole, like, whatever. Imagine me going into a pet store to help Noah pick out a bird. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And not only the things we do for family. Yeah, Mm. I didn't, we went into three different, three different stores looking for birds. Three different bird shopping experiences with my baby. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. And I kept going, look, don't look at this. Look at this lizard. Isn't this cool? Or what do you, what do you think about this snake? Look, he's all curled up. Wouldn't that be neat? Like <laughs> kept trying to like divert him away from the, yeah, the bird. That didn't work. Huh, yeah. Did it. What about this giant tarantula? That's cool. No. Oh my God. Boy was having none of that. Had to be the bird. Yeah. I'm probably the only parent in the world who's tried to convince his kid to get, or her kid to get, you know, some creepy, crawly, scary thing (laughs) instead of a bird, but whatever. Anyway, so he turned 13, and the day after that, Tara turned 50. Oh, yeah, right. Tara's birthday comes right after Noah's. Yep, day after. And so, you know, big birthdays this year for us. Wyatt's going to turn mm-hmm. 16 this year, too. Oh, big, my God. Big birthdays. Shit. Yeah. 16. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I'm, I feel old. Yeah. And I'm so far, I'm pretty happy because, you know, we've talked to him about driving, and he just doesn't have any interest in it. He could have t- started driver's training, um, what, like four months mm-hmm. ago, and he's... He's not, not feeling it, huh? No, and I'm so grateful because I just, as a parent, how do you, I mean, I'm pretty, like, willing to let my kids go and experience things, but the thought of that kid driving is terrifying. <laughs> it's just, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. my God. Yeah, yeah. And, 
And, you know, I didn't have any problem letting Michelle learn how to drive. Like, I didn't have any problem with that at all. But the thought of Wyatt driving makes me want to run away just like a bird. It has the same kind of psychological effect. So, whatever. But, yeah. All sorts of, all sorts of milestones in my family this, this year. Already. It's yeah. It's just, you know, that you're just started. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Well, well, that's what? nuts. What about you? Anything interesting awesome. happening in your world? Oh, God. Besides coming home with cooties yet again. <laughs> Jesus. You live a cootie-filled existence. Come on. I just... The thing is that normally... Um, you know, I travel a lot, yes, okay? you do. a lot domestically, especially for my job and I rarely get sick and I've already been sick three times in two months. That's what is crazy. That yeah, that is crazy. That's like worrying me. I'm like, is my immune system now getting too old to handle travel? <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> like, oh my well, God. I don't think that's it, but I think there's a lot of other stuff going on in your, you know, that can go on in a world, in your life that can make it easier, make you more susceptible. And, you Uh, know, any kind of additional stressor, you know. Yeah. So. It's been fucked up and I'm not happy about it. So there's that going on. I'm finally coming out of the flu and anyway. And yes, dear listener, I did have a flu shot. Thank you for asking. Um, you know, well, I don't ever know. get a flu shot. <clears throat> Those are touch and go. Mm-hmm. I understand that. And perhaps it helps minimize the worst symptoms of the flu. The flu can lay you out. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I'm hoping that it sort of like kind of de-lessened the effects of of this one, my I didn't have a really high fever, but I still felt like shit. Yeah. But, you know. Dude. I don't know. Since I started working, I went from, like, in like you said, in a two-month period, I went from a cold into the flu, back into the cold, right? So it was oh, like God. recovering, recovering, but it, it, I was in this perpetual state. And it was like, you know, I just started this job, and I've been sick for, like, three weeks straight, and I don't want to be here. <laughs> And you can't, like, like, you can't do that when you just started a job. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. I mean, it it takes forever to kick this stuff mm-hmm. when you get it, right? Like, the first week is the hardest. But then shit lingers. Mm-hmm. It is like true. Ever. <clears throat> this winter has just been really hard. Yeah. Um, in terms of illness. And I don't know if this is going to be a thing now with me. I really hope not. But there you go. It was, yeah, it's been fucked up. Yeah. So that's all my news to report, dear listener. I was like, um, and I, I went into the new year with, I had a lot of work to do. So I have already, you know, traveled a couple times. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I will be traveling again in about a week and I'm like what the fuck with this these cooties because I am super diligent even on on the cootie planes you know I carry those um the Lysol wipes you know 
And mm-hmm. I wipe my shit down in my yeah. seat. I'd wipe the trays down. I don't touch my face. But like you say, it's that recirculated gross air and you just, ah! Anyway. Do you use that um, that nasal gel stuff that keeps your nose moist? So, Because that, that's one of the issues with travel is that the air dries out everything in your, in your nose and so it doesn't filter out cooties the way that it's supposed to. Do you know what I'm talking Ew, about? Maybe I'll start... I'll do that. No, it's that sounds good. Though. Air, A-Y-R. It's a nasal okay, gel. good tip. Yeah, I don't travel oh ever, God. but I know that. That's what you, those okay, are the things gonna, that you learn when you manage a pharmacy, dear listener. Uh, well, then I'm going to check it out yeah. because this is fucking bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> this is bullshit. Anyway. Yes. Um, so that, that's, that's where I'm at. It's like trying to get back on the horse, everybody. I'm sorry. Uh, it's, you know, I've just been just, just laid out and you, you can't, when you have the flu and or a cold, your head just hurts so bad and you can't, you know, you literally can't look at a screen. I, at least I can't. Yeah. You just no. lay there. Yeah. So I'm getting caught up on some stuff on the blog friends. So don't worry. We're, we'll get there. We'll get there. We will get there. Uh, anywho, um, uh, so should we do this? Get it? Should we yeah, do this? We should do this. Okay. All right, let's do this. So <laughs> that means you gotta go. It's you. You get to talk. This oh is my God. this is your All show, right. dude. No, um, yeah, whatever. Okay, friends, let's get into this. On January eighteenth, we were joined by Danielle Zion who is one of our resident readers and always has like really cool lists of books, suggestions for y'all to read. Duh. Mm-hmm. This is about hockey. Imagine that. Imagine that. Danielle's a huge hockey fan. She's Canadian, which explains that. Am mm-hmm. I right? Yes. Yes, for yes. sure. <laughs> and she tells us all about, you know, her history watching hockey and can't, I don't think she's, has she played hockey? Oh, I don't um, know. <clears throat> I'm looking to see. She watches hockey a lot. She's a big hockey fan. And she could go on and on about it, about the evolution of women's hockey since the 1970s. And I bet that's actually really interesting. Um, oh, yeah. She, I, it looks like she may have played in the in the past. She's no longer actively involved in the sport. And she's watching infrequent women's championships. But she likes to feed that hockey addiction with hockey stories. And sadly, there aren't as many as you would like but she has listed a few here, including um, Thin Ice 2012 by Bryce Taylor. I'm not familiar with that title. Have, have you heard of Bryce Taylor? I haven't. Nope. <clears throat> so, so, you know, we learned something new. So cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Delay of Game 2017. That's Tracy Richardson. Now, Tracy's stuff, I love her stuff. Yeah. She's so, been writing for a while. Yeah. Definitely check check her stuff out touch 2018 by chris bryant is -hmm. the first book daniel's read and by bryant and surprise it got her attention because one of the two main characters is a professional female hockey player cool i have not had a chance to read that one yet you know i'm I'm thinking that you and i right now are kind of shitty people shitty readers yes (laughs) Uh, do tell why 
Well, because, (laughs) you know, she's got this whole list and I haven't read any of these. It makes me feel bad. Oh, well, that's why she gives us these lists. Okay. So that we can read them. Yay. Um, PJ Treblehorn's On the Fly, 2018, and the sequel Face Off, 2019, that was last year, both qualify in their own right as light, enjoyable sports romances. Those are fun, you guys. Light, enjoyable sports romances. I'm just saying. Uh, and Breaking the Ice, which is uh, by K.R. Collins. It's the Sophie Fournier book one, released in 2019. And um, Danielle points out that this should not disappoint unless you are set on a romance. So apparently it's not quite a romance. There's no romance or romantic interests yet, but there are hints of things to come. So it focuses on on the main character and on her development and dealing with the really awful old boys club that is hockey. So, and sports like that in general, I would argue. Mm, yeah, I would argue that you're probably right, but I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I'm not exactly sporty. <laughs> okay. So thank you, Danielle, for all those awesome books about hockey. And, you know, if you're looking for a hockey book, a hockey romance, yeah. There's a great list. Boom. It's just cool. I'm I in. I learn a lot. I always learn stuff from those. Those mm-hmm. are fun. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. <coughs> All righty. January 20th, we were joined by our friend Stevie Karen. I did not know, Joe, that Stevie was a DJ. What? Or still probably still is a what? DJ. What? Yes, they were are were are were slash are a DJ, and they point out here that um, they're talking about Wharf Chambers, which is a cooperative club in the center of Leeds, of which Stevie is a fairly recent member. After first going drinking there about six months ago, you go Stevie. Mm-hmm. It's known for putting on a wide range of LGBT plus friendly events and music gigs. So. This sounds really cool the way it works. No DJ skills needed, no pressure, no egos, no competition. And that was certainly my impression when the two organizations that they're talking about here came together, not for the first time, on the 5th of January, 2024. At least that was the first time for them. So way back when, Stevie says, I played a couple of DJ slots at Cambridge Rock Sox Wake Up Screaming. So long ago that there's no men. There's no mention of my sets on the current slightly out-of-date website. That was all off CDs and albums, and my single collection is a little sparse. Undaunted, I dug out seven non-embarrassing singles and supplemented those with another seven I bought from the bargain boxes. And, I mean, they've got, like, Adam and the Ants. (laughs) Yeah! T'Pau. Yeah! (laughs) Stevie says that the event had just started when they arrived. They received a warm welcome from all present, and they added their name to the list on the blackboard and settled down to enjoy the music and conversation. And then when it was time for their set, they were a little nervous, got back into the swing of things. People seemed to enjoy my choices. I had fun teasing them. Having played my set, it was time to switch from soft drinks to beer and enjoy the rest of the afternoon. I definitely plan to attend again at some point, probably when the this organization visits wharf chambers again although i may try one of the other venues as well and i need to buy more records so here is (laughs) they provided their set 
the full set listed on the website. So Stevie does a bit of DJing. How that did is we not super know cool. That is super, super cool. And I'm loving her playlist, right? Like, these are just some really, really fabulous, there. fabulous fun songs. Right? Yeah. Right. I'm digging so. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, Stevie, thank you so much. Now we know you have yet this other talent. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually go listen to these songs on Spotify. <laughs> it, it feels like it needs to happen, doesn't it? <laughs> That is so cool. Wait, I'm, I'm writing them a, a thing here. How did we not know you are a DJ? There. Let's see what they say to that. Okay. We obviously missed Anywho, the memo. We did. We did. All right. Thank you, Stevie. This was a really fun blog. Um, wow. <laughs> Who knew? Doesn't it? It makes me wish for something like that around my place. That's just fun. It's there's got to be something going like that in your area in Portland. Right, you think, I mean, but Jesus. this is like, I've never heard of such a monster. I'm I'm excited <clears throat> to see what I can find. I'm going to look something up. Because, you know, you and I both in the past have, have done DJ gigs, right? So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. fun. I have. I I have. I've clubbed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did a, I did a radio Back show. Hey! A radio show in the 90s. Of all all the times in the <laughs> in the yeah, history, I did a um, the early aughts. I did a global music radio show. Nice. <clears throat> so we're just cool, yeah. or wow, you know, we used day. to be cool. Maybe we're cool too. <laughs> Shit, maybe we're cool too. What? No, no. All my cool wore off right about the time that you know I got spit up on by my first kid. <laughs> There's something about parenting. It's like without even meaning to, you lose your identity, and because it's all about this little creature that you are suddenly responsible for. It's bizarre. All your cool just goes straight out the window. (laughs) You, you are still cool. Me, nope. (laughs) That's I don't know. I don't know about that. We'll see. Mm, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with my reality. <laughs> anyway, I that's just that was cool. Thanks, Stevie. Appreciate that. Very wow. cool. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right, January twenty first, Ash Bartlett joined us, and Ash is such a good essayist. Yes. I mean, what the fuck, Ash? This one's about. Well, it's it's about explaining, you know, how you get really excited about things that are queer related, queer culture, and for you know, you and I know this. We have tons of straight friends. We're always, at least I am. I'm always having to explain things to my straight friends, and they're good allies. But it's like the nuances of certain queer pop culture and things that are actually in the media, but they're apparently not catching the references. Mm-hmm. And Ash points out that, <clears throat> you know, she's, she's been planning for Clexicon in GCLS the last few weeks and says that, you know, um, people who recognize the soundtrack to the L word, Generation Q, see my straight friends don't get it. She says, my book was included in Autostraddle's 55 of the best queer books of 2019. Congrats, Ash! Woo-hoo! And... Uh, 
<clears throat> I lost my shit, she says. All my queer friends lost their shit on my behalf. It was swell. When I told my straight friends, I had to explain what auto straddle was. Yeah, it's not nearly when as fun Klexicon, when you have to explain it. <laughs> I know. When Clexicon accepted the panel I'm on, I was excited. When they accepted the panel I pitched, again, the gays were pumped for me. The straights, I had to explain what Clexicon was. Mm-hmm. And then I had to explain what Clexa was, what the hundred was, what bury your gaze meant. I'll forgive my 40-something suburban mom friends for not knowing a CW show aimed at teenagers and queers. But not knowing what bury your gaze means? This is not a new trope. People always roll their eyes when I make straight jokes. There goes Ashley again, acting like straight people are an inconvenience. But you know what? They are. (laughs) I know their culture. It's impossible not to. It's pervasive. And yet they act like I'm a goddamn genius for pointing out that it's a media trope to introduce a queer character and kill them off. As if the Hayes Code didn't spend half of the 20th century offing queers. After my last GCLS, my favorite story to tell was Dorothy Allison acknowledging my existence. I was waiting to go into the award show wearing my adorable little seersucker suit. I had my pants cuffed just so. My pocket square was jaunty and messy. So was my hair. And Dorothy fucking Allison looked me up and down and said, look at this. Then she walked away chanting, butch boy, butch boy, butch boy. And my straight friend said, who is Dorothy Allison? Ah! Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is like that. That's what privilege looks like. That's mm-hmm. heteronormative privilege right there. You it know, is I true. have to straight. We have to in order to get to the, navigate and negotiate this world. We have to speak straight. And yet straight people don't bother learning anything about what it has meant to be queer in these United States. Okay, they will, they just go, haven't we dealt with this? I'm so tired of having all this queer stuff everywhere. It's everywhere. Why are you making it like it's such a big deal anymore? Because it's still a really big fucking deal. The fact that you notice that it's everywhere means that it's not really everywhere. <laughs> because exactly. if it was everywhere, you would no longer notice it. <laughs> but Exactly. Whatever. Huh. <laughs> <sighs> It just, it's just something, uh, you know, and, and I do have straight friends that I relate very well to Absolutely. and I hang out with and, and they're allies in their own way. And they, the, tr- the ones that are true allies work hard at educating themselves. Yes, absolutely. But some days I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, straights. Mm-hmm. Really? Oh, my God. Yes. I mean, I think that maybe fan fan straights, you know, those who engage in fandoms probably are a little more in tune. Yeah, I think so. Because they they get, you know, they hear words that just aren't part of the normal vernacular, you know. So, I, like, I don't think most people even know what the word trope means, let alone what a common one is, right? So you're having this, mm-hmm. this. it's like this, like, you know, Ashley said, it's this perpetual vocabulary lesson. And, uh, but still, it's, um, yeah. It's frustrating. Yes, that is, that is really the words. Really fucking frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know. Whatever. I mean, it's better than it used to be. It's way better than it used to be. It is. 
It is in some ways, but it's also, it's still kind of frustrating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, you would think that the visibility would come more straight people educated about what it means to be queer in America. You would and think. I, there, I just don't really see that happening as much as I would have liked or would have thought would happen. I don't know. I don't know. It's really frustrating some days. And I'm just like so tired of, listen to me, so tired of, of it seeming like it's on us, the queers, to educate the straights. You know, I mean, you yeah. know, use your privilege and educate yourselves. You are exposed to the largest learning machine ever in existence. <laughs> Welcome to the Internet okay. age. But yeah, yeah. You know, um, so anyway. I, I have a I have that. a I have a story I want to tell you about okay tell us stories about uh, work so uh, dear listener I got a job at a plasma donation center because you know cancer and blah 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 I've talked about this in the past but I for you know context I'm telling you again um, and I have I wear a like a a lab coat because you know plasma is mm -hmm. you know it's a it's a yeah it's a fluid. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, body fluid. and I normally work back in like a little lab. I'm normally not near donors, right? But um, I'll go out on the donor floor periodically. And I went out and I have this little heart pin that I put on my lapel that has the trans flag colors on it. And mm -hmm. I, I wear that for my baby. <clears throat> and um, most of the time I'll get like, you know, um, these sweet white ladies, you know, telling me that, oh, that's such a cute pin, right? Like, that's what a nice heart. Those are so pretty, right? But every once in a while, I'll get a comment from somebody who's all like, I really like that pin. And I feel so like validated in that experience because I know, I know that they know why I have it on or what it means as opposed to just, oh, look at the pretty heart. And it's so mm -hmm. like, I, for every 10, look at the pretty heart, I get maybe half of a, I like that pin, right? Like it's, and I'm in, mm -hmm. I'm in Portland. <laughs> I'm in the land of the liberal progressive gays. And, and yeah. nobody yeah. recognizes that. So um, that's my, that's my whole story. Just how it, it doesn't have anything to do with pop culture. It just has to do with understanding the symbolism of our, culture yeah it's hard it is I, hard I, but and i think that i mean it's also y'all not educating yourselves if, if there are any straight allies listening not educating yourselves puts us in danger mm -hmm. it puts your queer friends and your queer family members in danger right now there are easily 30 anti-trans bills that are being introduced to state legislatures Missouri, I believe, has 14. Um, South Dakota just managed to get its anti-trans bill passed through committee. And these bills are egregious. The most common ones this year are literally criminalizing medical care for trans affirming, for affirming your trans kids. Literally criminalizing medical care. I want you to think about that. Let that sink in. A so, like, doctor, as a parent, you can go to jail or a doctor? Uh, both. Both. So, like, getting, like, hormone blockers for your kid could get you sent yes. to... That's yes. so scary. Hormone blockers are so important to... Yes. You know, that whole 
dealing with body dysphoria and uh, that's yes. wow and all these bills are coming out of right-wing chop shops okay they're they're coming out of the pseudoscientific sphere that says that there's not enough research or enough studies and it's harmful to put your kid on puberty blockers i mean these are drugs that have been used not just on trans people. Oh, They've been God, no. Other things. It's like, what is wrong with you? They've been around for forcing a parent to not affirm their child. They've been around for decades and decades. Yes, I mean, they, they, they were originally they prescribed as, as, you know, for kids with early onset puberty. Yes. They've which been, is a thing, friends, for some kids. Yeah. You, you have kids going into puberty at six, right? And these, 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 these drugs have been around for, ever as a parent of a trans child i did the research <laughs> and aren't they also used in some respects um for treating certain types of cancer because they block certain hormones that may feed cancers i don't know that that makes sense right because you know like certain uh like our certain cancers are linked very very heavily to mm -hmm. you know like testosterone and estrogen right. and, and and the production right. of those two yeah I don't know. So, I've, I've never looked into that, but that, you know, this is, this is what we're dealing with. Okay, friends, the other um, anti-trans bills that are finding purchase this year are banning trans kids from participating in sports with the, the gender identity with which they identify. Wow. So, so denying trans kids the opportunities to participate in school sports. Or a twist on that bill is disallowing a school to participate in any sporting event with other schools that are trans affirming. How about that? So your entire school gets denied the opportunity to participate in something if one of the other schools has trans affirming sports policies. Wow. That hurts my heart. This shit is going on. This shit is going on right now, friends. And this is why straight allies need to get off their asses and help us to educate themselves and to understand because this affects this these bills will kill kids. Quite they literally. Will kill kids. Quite fucking literally. People are going to die as a result of these bills. The yeah. sheer cruelty and ignorance of these bills. It is what keeps me up at night right now. Yeah. Anyway. That's this, this the thing so, with this stuff. Like, you know, it's it's so easy when we're in a, in a positive place in terms of, like, the energy in the world. Like, you know, Gen Z, their, lang their, their, their use of language to describe their world is so far advanced from what, you know, mm -hmm. I had as part of Gen X, right? Same. And so it's it's so easy to forget the the tragedy that went along with being queer or trans as a as an adolescent, right? Like the the suicide rate for those kids is still incredibly high. And, you know, these kind this kind of legislation is going to oh. it's awful. It is yeah. fucking awful. It's it's these these legislative acts. These are acts of violence against queer people. Yeah, they are against queer kids. And, and the fact that that they couch it as trying to help kids just sets my blood to boiling. 
Yeah, that's offensive. So pay attention, friends, to your states. And if you see these bills coming up, get involved to oppose this bullshit. Yeah, it's offensive. It's... Ah! I wonder, I mean, you know, I know for a fact that I wouldn't be this, like, aware if I didn't have Noah to to guide my my research and my interests, right? I know this mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. people are very centered on their own experience. I just, I don't know how to get people interested in the right way. I don't. I'm just so glad that culturally, you know, so many more kids are coming out as trans and expressing their gender identity as they and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, wearing the badge of asexual or aromantic, you know, proudly and, and actually doing the work to educate people. Because that's really what it comes down to is once you understand it, it's really hard to want to hurt somebody else. <sighs> I It's so... Anyway, pay attention, friends, because you know, we are under constant attack. And we need to take our state legislatures back. Mm-hmm. This is bullshit. We need our state legislatures to benefit the most people and stop marginalizing and singling out people for harm. Yeah. All right, so that's my that's my spiel. <clears throat> All right, January 21st, also Renee Best joined us with uh, 10 What Ifs. And I like these, a list of what ifs rather than resolutions uh, when you get a new year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Renee says, enough with the resolutions. How about a few what ifs? What if, and she starts us off with, we selected one item of clothing a day for the next seven days, put the clothing in a box and donated that to a shelter. What if? What We admitted we must talk about our nation's legacy of enslavement and the price we continue to pay because we've never talked about it honestly. And what if we listened to each other instead of talking at each other? That's a big damn deal. It's a big damn deal. What if we proudly claimed our demographic identities pertaining to age, gender, race, religious affiliation, sexuality, profession, socioeconomic status, political leanings and geographic location, but we refused to be boxed in by those descriptors. Yep. I like that one. Me too. Here's here's another one. What if we went to the polls this spring and next fall, shrugged off every expectation placed upon our demographic group and voted for the preservation of our democracy, decency, humanitarianism, and a candidate who possesses the intellectual capacity empathy and self-expressive skills beyond that of a five-year-old child. And I would argue here that I have met far more empathetic five-year-olds. Um, me too. <clears throat> and what if all of the above were reality and not simply what ifs? Change begins with little steps, one person at a time. It's true. Truth. truth. It is true. I, I like what if. What if lists? I think it's an interesting choice from a, I mean, you know, Renee has powerful thoughts and powerful ways of expressing herself. Um, 
But as a culture, we've been taught to stop saying what if. Mm -hmm. And I like this reclaiming of it. It's very, it very much echoes the civil rights movement um, Mm -hmm. from the 50s and 60s. 60s. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I, 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 what if? I like the way she's put this together. The framing is so good. It is. And, and it is little steps. Mm-hmm. Little, little things that, that you can do as an individual to help bring change. Well, um, and it, yeah, it starts out with just the little the little things about remembering that, you know, remembering the humanity in one another and then moves up to the bigger think globally, act locally. Mhm. Mhm. Definitely. Thank you, Renee. Yes. I'm going to ponder this. Yeah, oh, I've been I always moved Renee's to silence. Always, I always ponder. <laughs> right. Yep. She's a ponderous, Renee, ponderous woman. I always, with Renee's blogs, I always think about them for a while after I read them. And I'm always kind of like, huh. Same with like Lee Lynch. Mm-hmm. Lee's blogs do the same thing where I'm just like, Ashley's, Ash Bartlett's also. Mm-hmm. I'm always like thinking about things afterwards. Yeah. Cliffy Henderson too. <clears throat> Cliffy too, yeah. yeah. We have a lot of good people. Yeah, blogging. well, and of our our newer, you know, Anika and Sam and uh, and Aaron, yeah, yeah, they're all amazing. <laughs> the, uh, fucking, they're all amazing. Let's just go there. We're very lucky. They are. Y'all are amazing. Mm-hmm. Just fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, speaking of, uh, Aaron joined us on the twenty fourth, and. I guess I've been under a rock because I did not know that Aaron was a hardcore Star Wars fan like myself. Um, I I did not know this either. So this is about, (laughs) and I love how how she starts. Okay. I've had a little over a month to process my feelings about the end of the Star Wars saga. I am still not okay. If anyone reading this follows me on social media, you know I'm a rather rabid fan of Star Wars. I know there are a lot of us out there, so it's not like I'm admitting to liking liver and onions. I don't, by the way. (laughs) Star Wars has been in my life since I was five. Yes. She has a cute story about her dad. I'll never forget sitting on the couch with my dad. He was a larger man with a big round belly, snuggling into him and watching episode four, A New Hope. They're renamed now, I know, but this is how I will always know it. For the first time, he read the opening crawl out loud to me and I was hooked. A princess? An evil empire? A smuggler? A Jedi? Sign me up! Little did I know (laughs) that as I made my way through the movies, sometimes literally all in one sitting, I've done that, I would become the fan I am today. I love everything about Star Wars. They're campy and wonderful, and the special effects hold up, and Princess fucking Leia... Mm Mm-hmm. Preach, preach, Aaron, preach. She wore out her VHS tapes <laughs> and then got a, got a new set and wore those out. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and she says, you know, when the Disney deal went through, I was skeptical. I love Disney, but the first 
you know, but being skeptical of anything Disney did was hard for my brain to handle. When the first trailer for Force Awakens dropped in D23, I almost hyperventilated. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I cannot even begin to describe the emotions that surged through my body. Aaron, I totally feel you. When I saw the first trailer for Force Awakens, I cried. Why? <clears throat> Listen, I just, it was like, because Star Wars was such a huge part of my childhood. And it's always been a part of like, I know this is going to sound really dumb. A part of my philosophy of life literally comes from Star Wars. That's whatever. Okay. We can parse that and psychoanalyze me another time, but there hadn't been, uh, you know, Star Wars movies for a while. And this set of Star Wars movies, the force awakens and then the prequel rogue one and, um, the final installment of the Skywalker saga was like family. It was like friends. And it was women at the forefront. Women drove these movies, the the new set that just ended. That was, you know, it was like mind-blowing. And like all my dreams come true, like women wielding the force. Like really fucking wielding it mm-hmm. that was so cool so i was really fucking excited so aaron says listen i had to sit through episodes one two and three i will not speak of these i'm sorry i will not she says but aaron will i had to see george lucas try to make political struggles in the republic interesting i had to see hayden christensen try and muster up some chemistry with natalie portman who let's be real could have chemistry with the brick wall I had to suffer through young Anakin Skywalker being played by the world's worst actor. I'm sorry if that seems mean, but I'm not going to mention his name. So seeing the trailer for The Force Awakens, a movie I was severely skeptical about, cast with basically all unknowns, was mind-blowing. I was scared, nervous, excited, anxious, everything. When the movie released, my friend Brad and I bought back-to-back showing tickets for the IMAX theater in town. We showed up two hours early before they actually assigned seats. (laughs) We were so pumped. When the first notes of the amazing John Williams score burst onto the airwaves, I started crying. Holy shit, so did I. I cried numerous times during the movie. Oh my God, same. I cried like a crazy person at a couple of moments. Yes, Aaron, I did as well. There were a few things I didn't love, but you know what? Overall, I really loved it. I saw it five more times in the theater. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, same. (laughs) Fast forward two years, The Last Jedi was released, and I was just as excited. I was totally stoked for the rise of Disney Star Wars. I didn't love The Last Jedi, but I appreciated it for what it was. Yeah. Welcome to December of 2019, The Rise of Skywalker. You know, I was relatively spoiler-free. I always go off social media days before the release in order to avoid spoilers. When I sat down in the theater to watch The Rise of Skywalker, this time without my friend, I'll be honest, I was shaking. I was so nervous and excited. And truth, as the movie started and moved from one scene to the next, I found myself crying through most of it. Okay, yeah, same. (laughs) I won't go into all the details, but I really enjoyed it. And when the movie ended, I was a hot mess. A hot, hot mess. I was sobbing. I had to pull myself together. I got into my Jeep. I started it, put it into drive, and I cried the entire way home. I had to say more than anything, and this is captures what I feel for Star Wars. 
It hit me like a pile of bricks why I was so sad. I had essentially just said goodbye to Leia, Han, and Luke for the last time. These characters have been in my life for as long as I can remember. I don't remember much before the age of five, so really, I'm not even exaggerating. But more than anything, I had to say goodbye to Leia. I grew up wanting to be Leia. I wanted to be in charge and confident and amazing and beautiful with cinnamon bun hair and no need for a bra. (laughs) Same. As I aged, I fell in love with everything Carrie Fisher did, said, and wrote. She was so wonderful and special and raw and honest. And saying goodbye to Leia was also realizing I would never again see something new that Carrie Fisher did. And knowing that wrecked me. Her candor and beauty was something I will miss forever. She didn't hold back and she made sure her mental health was something not holding her back but helping. I'd like to say this entire blog has a deep, meaningful takeaway. Aside from me wanting to write about my love for Star Wars, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) I guess what I can say with 100% certainty is that Star Wars has helped mold me into the person I am today. I'm not a princess or a smuggler or a Jedi, but I am most definitely a strong woman with the drive and desire to be the best version of myself I can be. And I'm doing all of that while trying to handle anxiety and depression and many other things Carrie Fisher spoke truthfully about struggling with. I may not be the badass she was and always will be, but I will always strive to be a little like Leia and a lot like Carrie, a damsel in distress who isn't really a damsel and is most definitely not in distress. Nice. May the force be with you. Oh my God, that got me weepy. Jesus, Aaron. Now I have to go watch all the Star Wars movies again. Damn. I'm so stoked to know that she's a Star Wars fanatic. Yeah, I um, you know, don't share the same level of obsession. All that. Yeah, fine. no, not not even close. But I get it. I I get it when things touch you like that. It's weird. It's it's just like, and the idea yeah. that you would have a religion based on you know Star Wars. That's not really that unusual. That's pretty much ethos for a lot of people at this point it's not i don't have a religion i have sort of a philosophical outlook well that's what they would call it too andy (laughs) and it's okay i'm not judging i'm saying that's perfectly normal (laughs) i am validating your choices everybody's out there going oh my god andy's cray cray (laughs) no i don't think so oh my god yeah, formative years, friends, formative years. It's interesting what shapes us. Well, and maybe that's it, because my mom wouldn't let me watch Star Wars. I was older when I watched it for the first time. Oh, yeah, you didn't get to experience it as a kid. Yeah, I I had a, I had a different experience. <laughs> yes, you fucking did. That's, that's what happens oh when God. you're part of a cult, dear listener. <laughs> Things are different. Uh, it's it's not yeah okay yeah it was a cult you don't have to there's no whitewash in this one it, it it is what it is whatever moving on moving on um well that wraps up the week and also dear listeners we have an announcement we do we do have an announcement go ahead so, announce Joe. oh you want me to announce okay i can do it so joe and i joe and i are going to put the podcast on extended uh, hiatus. Uh, we're not sure if we're going to bring it back. We haven't talked about that, but um, it's, you know, it was a tough decision, but we 
we've got a lot of things going on in each of our lives and we just really needed to make some tough choices. And so the blog will remain, of course, for now, <laughs> unless, mm-hmm. you know, something awesome happens and, you know, who knows. Uh, but for now, the podcast is is going to be on uh, mothballed into storage. And yes. we so appreciate everybody who's who's been on along this, been with us on this journey with our podcast when it started out over at the Lesbian Talk Show and then shifted. Thank you so much for those of you who followed us. We really appreciate it. Um Maybe we'll, you know, who knows, Joe, we may actually end up doing some other kind of podcast later on down the line. We might. Don't know. You know, we yeah, might. I yeah. can't predict the future. Can't, but this, it seems, this feels like something that we need to do right now. Both of us are in, are dealing with a lot of different things right now in our lives, and we had to make some tough calls. And we feel pretty good about this decision. So it's not like we're freaking out over here about it. But we did want to let y'all know. And um, we will be posting a blog about that as well. Um, Thanks so much for hanging out with us. And um, if you have any ideas about future podcasts, just shoot them at us, man. Who knows? Maybe we'll we'll take you up on them. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. You know, dear listener, I just want to take a minute to thank uh, my friend Andy for being so kind to me over the years. Uh, and just right now for Aww. being so kind to me, because listen, you're, 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 you're kind of, you know, you're being very generous with the way you're describing this. But this was very much like I'm at this, this emotional point where I just can't do this. And, you know, Andy doesn't want to share my my stuff because she's kind like that and she's willing to take on some of the responsibility but really you know you're this you're this great human being who always looks out for me and I just thank you for that but I I can't do this anymore and I know you've got a lot going on but really this is I can't I just can't and so (laughs) so that you know it happens this is what happens when you're adulting right it's like you have to make tough decisions yes and you kind of sometimes things work out in ways that you expected and enjoy. And sometimes they work out in amazing ways. And sometimes they don't work out at all. Right. And, and that's fine. Well, that's, yeah. You well, know. And the reality is, I thought that was, you know, when we were talking about it, I thought it was going to be a much harder conversation, you know, and, you know, <laughs> neither one of us, you know, there wasn't even any really, it was just, oh, all right, here's where we're at. There was no resistance just acknowledgement that we've reached this point and so that made me feel good too because you know it didn't feel bad to decide to be done does that make sense Uh, i mean yeah it does it's i mean you know we all have to figure out what we're trying to do and and it's true dear listeners i have a lot on my plate too and it's been difficult yeah it's been difficult to try to fit things in that I enjoy doing it because both Jove and I really enjoy podcasting. Mm-hmm. We do. But, you know, like she said, there's things that come up and you've got to like make some tough calls. Yeah. And uh, you have to think about what kind of effort are we willing to put into a project that really needs more effort put in to really help it grow. And we're not at a place, either of us, where we can, we feel like we can really do that. In effective ways yeah yeah sometimes so. you just you gotta switch your energy but we thank you all mm-hmm. for hanging with us and we you know, do listening and laughing with us and 
tolerating my all my all my ignorance because I have a lot of it. I've done a lot of therapy during the course of this podcast. So I thank you all for writing along with me on that. But it's uh it's yeah, it's it is it's, what it is. It is. James. Yeah. Yeah. You, you and me, Andy. You oh and my me. God. But all right. just so y'all know, dear listener, Andy and I have been, you know, Jove and Andy for a lot longer than the course of this podcast. And we will continue to be Jove and Andy. So I'm pretty sure that we're yeah. gonna resurface at some point. So Yes. Anyway. Yes. So take All us right. on out. Dear listener, this has been the uh, final, um, maybe, final maybe, uh, we can review for women and words. Maybe. Final maybe. We can review for women and words. I am Joe Bellier today with Andy Marquette. You can find us online at womenwords.org. And again, thank you so much for sharing this experience with us. We really appreciate you.